0: We are just 11 days away from the official end of summer and the beginning of autumn. We're feeling it in the air a little bit today, right? And over the last few days, it's been a little bit cooler. And um, so, yeah, it seems like summer's coming to an end. But the other thing that's kind of the dead giveaway is that uh, school has started, new routines have started different things like that. In some ways, kind of like a second January 1st, except that's already taken, so it has to be, you know, like September 7th or something totally different. But, you know, you get the idea. But one of the things that you can bank on with the many wonderful things that come with entering a new season are difficulties, challenges, trials, right? You go to school, you start a new grade, you meet new friends, you see how other friends have... uh, have uh, grown or changed over the summer. And uh, you get new teachers, start new classes, and friendship difficulties, relationship difficulties, struggles come with those. You ha- might have trouble that has nothing to do with school. You might have trouble that has nothing to do with the start of a new season, but you have trouble nonetheless, challenges nonetheless. Every one of us has trouble. Every one of us has Tribulation at one point or another. Now I'm not trying to be a downer. It's just the reality of life. Uh, We enter into something and trouble comes along with it, and it's one of the things that God uses to humble us. One of the things that one of the ways that God teaches us to trust Him and to depend on Him. John 16, Jesus said the very same thing to His disciples. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. Look at this next phrase, and will leave me alone. In other words, trouble's going to come. Everybody's going to scatter. And he says, but I'm not alone. I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This year, you as individuals, this year, you... As families, this year we, as Oak Grove Church, this year we, as the worldwide body of Christ, will have trouble. There are many things uncertain. What kind of trouble it will be is uncertain, but there will be some trouble that comes. Trouble, trials, testings, tribulations. But take heart, friends. God has said this in his word, and he has said what we need to have peace in him. It's not just about simply ordered, uh, or, or it's not simply about rightly ordered words in the word of God. It's not that they're put together in just the right way, although they are, but these words lead us to an actively growing relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, which is empowered, supported, enabled by the Holy Spirit who indwells everyone who has trusted Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Peace is found with a person and his name is Jesus. And as we concentrate our hearts on that reality that Jesus has overcome the world, we have peace. We don't have all the answers, but we have peace. Well, let's just be honest. Like sometimes we try to trust the Lord and we don't have as much peace as we think we're supposed to have in a given moment. That's true. That's part of being human. It's part of imperfectly growing to love and follow Jesus. But we have peace. That has been true. It's true for us. It's as true as it was for the disciples when Jesus said it to them. And it's as true as it was in Psalm 29, which is a distinct psalm that David penned, which addresses trouble directly. David is addressing the sons of God with a command, and it's a command to praise not Not simply an invitation to praise, it's a command to praise let 's read together psalm twenty nine Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do His name, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Sarayan like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice, voice of the Lord makes deer give birth. He strips the forest bare and all in his temple cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The path of peace is lit by declaring the glory and strength of God. The path of peace is lit by declaring the or ascribing or giving glory and strength to God. But in order to declare glory and strength to God or the glory and strength of God, you must recognize it and you must remember God's faithfulness. How has God been faithful to you? I mean, that's a real question. It's not a general question. Oh yeah, God's been faithful. How? How has God been faithful to you? How has God been faithful to others you know personally? How has God been faithful to others that you know personally who know someone else that have experienced the faithfulness of God? How has God been faithful to many others throughout history? This great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews discusses, talks about. God has been faithful, but we must be able to see it. We must be able to recognize it. If nothing else other than the fact that you're breathing means God is sustaining your lungs. the blood flowing through your veins. Your very life is sustained by God. Sitting in this room, surrounded by brothers and sisters who love the Lord, who love you, is a gift of God's grace. Whether it's in this church this morning or other churches we know that preach the name of Jesus Christ, in our area or around the world next to our salvation next to the word of god it's probably the greatest gift of god's grace we can have he repeats this word several times in verses one and two uh, this repeated word ascribe or acknowledge or honor or or give it's an imperative that means it's a command We often read of two kinds of things, not only two, but imperatives in the Bible and indicatives in the Bible. Indicatives are like truth statements. Imperatives are commands. He's giving a command here. It's a command. Declare the glory and strength of God is a call to recognize and to acknowledge and to remember. And it's always active. It's never passive. Passive. Right. You can't lay down and and uh, and put the Bible on your forehead as we kind of joke around sometimes and think, oh, this is my way of declaring the glory of God. No, 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 no. It's time to break a spiritual sweat and put in the effort, put in the work to to know God a little bit at a time, increasingly a little bit at a time alone with your Bible or or with a few other believers or with a lot of believers and say, I see God's faithfulness. I see God's faithfulness. I see God's faithfulness. But he doesn't say only see it. Ascribe to the Lord. Declaring the glory of God. Declare, declaring the strength of God is how we light the path of peace. One, thing, one of the things I grew up loving, uh, we grew up on, on the East Coast and uh, we would go to uh, to New Jersey, where my mom grew up, and one of the things that we saw a lot of not only there we saw them in different places, but there were a lot of them there. We would drive through this one just gorgeous neighborhood with just beautiful houses and um, and you see these luminaries just up the driveway sometimes right, or up the driveway it 's like these it 's just a bag with sand in it and uh, apparently the right kind of candle so you don 't just burn down the bag. or a battery-powered candle. You might have those solar lights that capture light from the sun throughout the day, and then as the sun goes down, they start to light up, and you walk home, and you can see where you're walking. Well, they capture light. I hope it's not going too far to say they they capture, it probably is, I'm going to say it anyway, They they, they capture glory, if you will. Give me the grace to extend that. And when we recognize God's faithfulness, we, we, we capture the reality of who God is, and we turn on those lights by declaring it, by speaking it, by saying it. Our hearts are given hope, and encouragement, and peace. But we need to recognize it. And that's what David does here. He helps us recognize it. This has been called the Psalm of Seven Thunders because the word, the voice of the Lord is listed seven times in this passage here. God's voice is declared as thundering over many waters. A lot of times the Old Testament writers, what would they do? They would refer back to creation. They would refer back to the flood. And that's what David is doing here. He's pointing, he's pointing back to the flood or pointing to uh, significant storms. God's voice is declared as thundering over many waters, thundering. We often see these pictures painted of God, of Jesus that are, that are nice and that are pretty friends. The glory of God is strength. The glory of God is power. The glory of God speaks and it comes into existence. God is mighty. God is a warrior. We stand in awe of God because we don't know what else to do. We stop in our britches. And were it not for the mercy of God, we would die at the sight of God's glory, at the sight of His holiness. This is God. God's voice is powerful, full of majesty we see in verse 4. God's voice breaks the cedars, the cedars of Lebanon, verse 5. I love how Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, describes this verse super powerfully. He says, noble trees fall prostrate beneath the mysterious bolt or stand in desolation as mementos, mementos of its power. Lebanon itself is not secure. High as it stands and ancient as are its venerable woods, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. The greatest and the most venerable are respectful of trees. I forgot I'm reading a quote. <laughs> I was just going to start talking about it. Or men may not reckon upon immunity when the Lord is Abroad in his wrath. The gospel of Jesus has a similar dominion over most inaccessible of mortals. And when the Lord sends the word, it breaks the heart for far stouter than cedars. He continues God's voice makes Lebanon skip like a calf. Lebanon, this this picture of of strength and, and fortification, mountains skip. At the voice of the Lord. No enemy power. Not not Lebanon. Not Sarai. Not anywhere would be able to withstand. The might of God's powerful acts. Through his creation. Through his nature. Yahweh's voice. God's command. Causes it all. God's command. Brings it all. And yet for the believer. For the one who is walking with Jesus. This is meant to bring peace. For God's people, this is meant to bring peace. Verse 7, we see this picture of lightning. The Lord flashes. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. He shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest's bare. David recognizes as he looks back at God's judgment through the flood... Each of these powerful acts distinctly as the voice of the Lord who both spoke creation into existence and by his command, let the waters burst forth from under the ground, from above and flooded the world. One commentator even pictured it as as the cedars in a forest just breaking at the rush of floodwaters that would come and attack, if you will, a forest of trees they would just snap these mighty trees. There's something major going on here and God's people cry glory. So we need to recognize God's acts. Our our, our theology, our understanding of God cannot be so small that when something uh, bad happens in our world, We think, oh, God couldn't have done this. Of course he could have. He's done it many, many times before. Because his understanding is perfect and our understanding is finite. We need to remember in its right place, under God's loving control. So I want to ask you what's going on in your world. Everyone in this room has something different going on. And it's easy for that to kind of turn into a game of comparisons. That's not really ever what the Lord intends for us. We say, what's going on in our world? Oh, I better not say anything because that's really bad. Well, that's not the point of Christian fellowship. We talk about what's hard. We come around each other to try to understand what's going on. And we're not worried about a, a comparison game. You're not minimizing someone else's pain, someone else's struggle by... Just acknowledging your struggle too. We need to remember that God is over the storm and he is good. And because he's over everything, everything that happens beneath him means nothing is beyond his reign. Absolutely nothing is beyond his reign. Uh, Psalm 29:10. The end of this passage says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. I want to I address two objections that I think come whenever we talk about God commanding people to praise him. We kind of often think about a, a weak God, a, a, a lonely God, an insecure God. Like what kind of God is so insecure that he has to tell people, praise me, praise me. Come on, praise me, ascribe to me glory and honor, the strength that's due my name. That's the key phrase right there, the strength that is due his name. You see, if anybody else in the heavens or the earth were to say, praise me, it would be idolatry, worthy of death. For God, it's not. Because the very best thing for all of God's creation is to praise Him. Because to recognize and remember and declare the glory and strength of God with each declaration is to light a light or a lamp on the path of peace. The more you light, The brighter your path, the more able you are to see when it's dark, when it's cloudy. So some have trouble with God commanding his people to give him glory. The second misunderstanding, and actually I'm going to address the second one first. They think that, that giving God, God glory adds something to God. And I'm going to take this objection first, right? To, to simply show that neither uh, men nor angels can confer or can bestow upon or can add anything to God. God has all of everything he ever needs because he is everything that he and we will ever need, Psalm 5012 says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world in its fullness are mine. Well, that's kind of humbling. Hey God, can I help you out? No. In Acts 7, before Stephen is stoned, he's preaching this marvelous sermon. And he recounts God's faithfulness to Israel. In fact, he recounts God's faithfulness. And it makes those who are hearing, who are uh, uh, not following God, really, really angry enough to stone him and kill him. And he says, it was Solomon who built a house for him. And yet the most high does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, he's going back to the Old Testament and bringing it into the New Testament here. Heaven is my throne, earth my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? What is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? So no, friends, we don't add anything to God. We don't add any glory to God by declaring or ascribing to him the glory that is already his. Our declaration uh, of his glory, our declaration of the true reality that is his strength alone are the very reminders that we need to light a new light on the path of peace. And the first objection is often with people who have trouble with God commanding people to praise him. Do you? I mean, do you have trouble with the reality that the strongest one in the universe calls us to say you are strong? Because what we need when we are weak, which is every day, is a strong God. We need the God who has all of the answers, all of the wisdom, all of the strength to say, come here. This is where you find sustenance. Come to me. This is where you find wisdom. Come all ye who are weary and heavy laden. And what does Jesus say? I will give you rest for your souls. We actually don't really have a problem with the same concept that we say we do sometimes with the idea that it seems arrogant of God to to tell us, to call us, to give him glory. You know why? Because we do the same thing. How do we do that? Well, when you you have a discussion about something and you say something to someone and they do something different that goes contrary to what you said and then what you said turns out to be true and what are the words that come out of our mouth? Four words, ready? All at the same time. One, two, three, go. I told you so. Give me glory! Tell me I'm right! The demand for our rights over another's. The rush to judgment when someone screams, I knew better than you. These are all practical attempts at stealing glory that flows from pride. Rather than a desire to serve, to bless, and to believe in God's work through others. And so, since we have no problem beating our own chest in pride, we, we shouldn't have any problem with God commanding us to give Him glory. There's just something that stands in the way of it, is our pride. And I'll say it again. We recognize, and we remember, and we declare God's faithfulness, and that is what lights the way on the path of peace. So every time we ascribe to God the glory and the strength that is due his name, which is what verses 1 and 2 tell us to do, we light a lamp. We light a light on the path of peace. So you work to recognize and remember the many ways that God's been faithful. You, you, You get creative. You find ways. You work at it. You work at what you want to attain. You work at what you care about. And so you work at it. To remind yourself of ways that God's been faithful to you. To remind yourself of ways that God's been faithful to others. You put in the effort by faith to preach to yourself. To preach to others. Well, I'm not a preacher. Preaching just means proclaim. I'm proclaiming God's word. You walk around your house, kids, hey, I want all the kids' eyes for a minute. I just want to tell you something. Did you know that when your mom and dad are having a hard day, you can look them square in the eyes and you can say, do you remember what God did for our family last year? You are lighting a lamp on their path of peace. Parents the same, spouses the same. Grandparents, the same, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters in Christ, the same. Light a lamp on the path of peace by declaring the glory and strength of God. We all know pain, and it's hardest in the midst of pain. It's hardest, it's hardest in the midst of tribulation, hardest in the midst of trial. To light that lamp. That's when. We need it most. You might just step across someone else's yard and say, here, I know this is a hard season for you. Let me light this lamp for you. Do you remember when God was faithful to you? Oh, I forgot about that. Thank you. This is what the psalmist is calling us to. Most of the psalms are prayers, please. And they're wonderful. They're good. They're needed. It gives us language for our Our joy, our hurt, our anger, our confusion, all of that. This is distinct in that it's a command to God's people. I don't have much time for it, but very briefly in in Deuteronomy 8, God tells his people, he's talking to the nation here and he says, "I, I, I led you into the wilderness. Sometimes our theology doesn't have room for God to lead us into hardship. God says, I I, I led you here. I'm training you. I led you here. I let let you hunger. You, You might change the accent on that a few ways. I let you hunger. I let you hunger. I let you hunger. Why? To test you. To know what's in your hearts. Guess what? He's helping us know your trials come about in order that we would know what is in our own hearts, whether we're going to follow the Lord, whether we're going to obey the Lord, whether we're going to trust in the Lord. And I'll raise my hand right out of the gate and say a lot of ways in my life that I'm not trusting the Lord, a lot of ways in my life that so many things just rear their head. I'm like, oh, there it is again. Oh, I just loved how Matt opened the service. I was like, yes, I'm right with you, brother. I get that here I am again, Lord. I'm sorry I sinned. God's not like, oh, what do I do? Already been paid for. Your testing, trial, tribulation, struggle is just revealing what needs work in our heart. And we need this every day, friends. We have to light another light every day, on the path of peace. I would just imagine, right? Four people in a family, let's just kind of say three people, four people in a family. My math is going to be for four. I'm just going to tell you there. Four people in a family, each lighting one truth about God in a week. I'm not even saying every day. Every family member lights one lamp on the path of peace every day. Maybe one week, somebody's having a really hard time finding out how to light a lamp. They don't know what lamp to light. And a family member comes and says, let me light this one for you. Come on, let's keep journeying together. All right. Next week, you'll probably light one of mine. Every week, four lamps are lit. In a year, 208 lamps are lit, lighting your way to peace in relationship with our God. We don't circle up and say, let's light 5,000 lamps right now. What's the application today? Light a lamp that looks back in your past, the past of your friends, the past of your church, the past of Christian people who've gone before us. And you say, What glory do I declare today? What attribute of God, what strength do I highlight to give me confidence? to encourage my brother or sister today. In a year's time, you've got 150, 175, 200, 250. The the path is not lit by a floodlight. The path... Is lit when everything else is dark and we walk in the way. God has made peace and strength available to us even in or especially in difficult circumstances, friends. Through fears, Often through tears, we find this peace and strength from our lovingly sovereign Lord who is over it all. Well, when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he recognized that the Father was over his substitutionary sacrifice. The fact that he would die and that he would become sin for you, for me. The disciples would leave him, he said. He predicted it in John 16, 32 and 33. You're all going to be scattered. You're going to leave me. But the father will not. The father would not ultimately leave his son. He would vindicate him by raising him from the dead. And the same power which raised Jesus from the dead is the same power, brothers and sisters, that David is telling us to proclaim and that Paul is saying, this is how you know you can walk in the way. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that you have to follow Jesus each and every moment of each and every day. It enables to walk by light on the path of peace by ascribing to God, the glory and the strength to his name, the Lord's supper communion. This may be a way that God, that Jesus, well, it is a way that Jesus has built into our worship system to, to, to remember his body broken, his blood spilt and poured out for us. So that when we gather, we have a built-in reminder to say, oh, this is the glory of God on display. This is the strength and power of God on display. So I want to encourage you as you come forward, very much like Matthew opened our service, you may be in a place where you're saying, I don't know if I should go forward and take communion today. Do you know that's a wise question? Do you know the answer is if you're grieved over your sin, always yes. Always yes. Come, take, eat, drink with humble hearts and gratitude. In our eating and drinking, we declare the strength and the glory of God together.